You're listening to episode two of Sometimes On, insights and episodes when we feel like it. This is the second installment of our South by Southwest series, and we join our CEO, Tony Weissman, who flirts with his very handsome guest, George Trompolis, and Ezra Cooperstein of Fullscreen, and Gus Sorolla of Rooster Teeth. Brace yourself and get ready for the bromance as we dive into video, live from South by Southwest. Okay, folks, let's go on to chapter two. Uh, I am joined by three very good-looking gentlemen up here, as I just explained to them. I have a face for radio, so I'm, uh, you can just use your imagination. And, That's um, why we're video guys. <laughs> Bingo. This is the video panel, right? This is the video. Is that right? Is that where this we are? Is the video okay, this is the video panel, right. But I may have a face for radio, but I have a South by voice, right? Absolutely. Right? Uh-huh. Okay. Smoky. So um, we're very fortunate in this video segment to have individuals who are literally creating the world of video as we know it and consume it at scale. Um, to my far right are the, is the leadership of full screen. We have Ezra Cooperstein, who is president. That's me, yeah. And who is that good-looking guy to your, to your right there, Ezra? So that's, uh, that's George Trompolis, the founder-CEO of, uh, of Fullscreen. All right, so welcome to George and Ezra from Fullscreen. Um, and then right next to me here is Gus Sorolla, who is the uh, co-founder of Rooster Teeth. Welcome, Gus. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, well, first, let's learn a little bit about full screen. Um, why don't you two gentlemen, Ezra, why don't you tell us a little bit about the guy to your right? Who is he? Uh, so George is a pioneer of the online video space. Uh, he was a longtime YouTube employee, helped architect the, the way that revenue gets shared with content creators, and now he's gone off and left, uh, left YouTube and for the last four years been building full screen. Uh, which is empowering content creators all over the world. But I'll let him uh, dive in a little bit on that. That was really awesome. Thank you, Ezra. <laughs> That's it? That more? OK, let me go a little further back. <laughs> I usually I mean, I, I usually like to go a little Let's bit just deeper. Just start with, did he go to sleep yeah, last night? Yeah, so he, he was born in a small town in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, actually, a fun fact about George that most people don't know is he actually put himself through college selling uh, beats to uh, East Bay rappers when he was at Berkeley. So sweet, uh, yeah. That's so awesome. if anyone as an aspiring rapper and needs some uh, production, just give me a shout. He's a hustler, true and true. So that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. And and uh, tell us about, about, me Ezra. Or about Ezra. No, about Ezra, Ezra George. We'll move Mi on. Oh, this is fun. Um, so Mr. Ezra Cooperstein is a um, is a pioneer in the world of user created content. <laughs> Uh, Ezra was on the founding team of Current Television, um, which was bringing user-created content to the TV screen. Um, moved on from there to take a role at the, uh, the, the Innovations Group at Initiative, right? Los Angeles-based agency. And, um, and then became the founding CEO of Maker Studios, uh, really helping usher in the sort of multi-channel network era on YouTube. Um, I was very fortunate to, uh, to team up with Ezra. We're longtime friends. And um, Ezra joined Fullscreen as the chief operating officer in, uh, in like 2012? 11. 11. And, um, and Ezra's the president of our company. He oversees our talent business, which is over 50,000 content creators producing content on YouTube, on Snapchat, on Instagram, on really any social platform that matters. 
and um, and does all our business development. He's the man. This is how did he put about me? Let's talk about video. How did he put himself through college? Is what we really want to know. What's that? <laughs> we really want to know how Ezra put himself through college, but you can tell us that later. Um, so last November, Fullscreen acquired Rooster Teeth, a Austin-based company founded in part by uh, by you, Gus. Uh, so congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, now, Gus, you are a part of the Austin success story. Uh, you founded Rooster Teeth on April 1st of 2003. It's the worst April Fool's joke ever. <laughs> and uh, you've grown steadily since then. Um, and um, tell us a little bit about, uh, about Rooster Teeth and a couple, of the, uh, a couple of the more exciting things you guys are up to right now. So we started, you know, a typical startup story, you know, in a spare bedroom, uh, just a couple of guys working in their spare time. And, you know, over the past 12 years, we've grown from just a couple of people in a spare bedroom now. We, I believe we're up to 85 full-time employees uh, out at Austin Studios. Um, and we just have tons of productions. I believe at last count, we're putting out something like 42 video series a week. Uh, so we're just constantly churning and creating content. And... Uh, it was great, you know, to catch full screen's attention because uh, I think they're, they've been so far a great partner for us uh, in helping to hone our craft and, uh, and become better at it. So, Gus, let's talk a little bit about um, one of the things that, that you guys do so well with this vast amount of content is create communities and huge levels of passion around this. Talk about uh, this event just the other day, Let's Play Live, and how that was a, it was an example of the communities and the passion they have for the content. Sure. So um, a couple of weeks ago on February 20th, we uh, took over the ACL Live at Moody Theater, which is where they film Austin City Limits. And uh, we had uh, pretty much a sold out show. We, it, it's, it's hard to, to sell. It's hard to describe to people. It's imagine a rock concert, but instead of music, musicians on stage, it's people who are well known for playing video games on YouTube. So we put a, f a couple of our personalities up on stage for you know three hours, and essentially had a rock show where people were watching these uh, personalities play video games live in front of them. So that's remarkable. And you laugh. I, I laugh too. <laughs> you know, when we first approached the venue, and twelve about, people showed up. Or how many? <laughs> it, uh, we, I want to say we were at about seventeen hundred. Yeah. yeah, we were pretty close to sold out. And uh, you know, pe the the venue didn't quite understand it at first. You know, they 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 didn't think we were serious. Uh, we brought in some tech companies to help, you know, manage it because it's a crazy amount of technology that goes into put producing a show like that. And, you know, we had these tech, some tech companies tell us that we were crazy, that the show was literally impossible uh, and they quit on us. But uh, we found a way, you know, we found other partners who had who shared that vision and we were able to execute. And I thought it went really well. And so I wanted to use that as kind of a metaphor for what I think is is happening. And I would love you guys to to help talk about this which is you, set, you use your channels, your site, your distribution, to tell your passionate followers about this event, and 1,700 of them buy tickets and show up. And there seems to be this sense that there are these incredibly large, engaged, passionate communities around these video platforms that may not be visible to everyone, but have developed enormous passion in, in groups. Do you feel, is that really what is happening uh, in this world, and, and how does it get cultivated, and, and how do you know if it's, it, it, it's really connecting? You know, I think community is one of the core concepts that we've, that's always stuck with Rooster Teeth. Uh, you know, like, like we mentioned, we started in 2003, and by, I want to say by early 2004, you know, a couple of us who were working there thought, 
at the time, MySpace and Friendster were really popular. And we thought, you know, MySpace and Friendster seem to be really big. We need to make our own community-based website that people can come to and communicate not only with us, but with each other. That way, if we're not producing content, they can write journals and share pictures, and, and uh, we can foster a discussion with them. So we did, and I, I think we launched our community website right around the same time as Facebook. You may have heard of that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it was a way to to hold our audience and you know really make a genuine connection, and I think that's been that's been really key for us over the past twelve years. You know, I think about it like this: a lot of people create content, fewer people create good content, and even fewer people can build an audience and sustain a community, right? And um, if you can do that, and you can keep nurturing and growing that community, and increasing your quality and and diversifying what you make you will build something very powerful. And I think that at Fullstring, we think a lot about the, that very bottom level, which is, now how do you commercialize that? And um, the passionate fan bases, they want uh, different access to these content brands. And so they're willing to show up and pay to go to a live show where guys are playing video games who they are seeing every single day on YouTube. Or they're willing to buy a t-shirt for their favorite show. And that direct-to-consumer connection, I think, is is like nothing ever before. And then the ability for everyone who owns that community to be able to monetize it and is very different than, than ever before. Um, and so we look at Rooster Teeth as that primary example of not only good content, building community, but have done a fantastic job of actually commercializing it, both through advertising, subscription, merchandise, events, highly diversified business. It looks like essentially a mini Disney. Very focused, though, in one IP area. So let's talk more about this. Very few people can really build audience and community. You guys are, are, are experts in this. You've seen it work. You've seen it not work. What are the keys to, you, to, to making it work? We think consistency is really important. Um, you know, uh, every day thousands of people are applying to be part of the full screen network. They uh, make content and they want to professionalize what they do. And um, we, uh, one of the things we look for first and foremost is, is this person going to be consistent with what they produce? Are they gonna stick with it? You don't have to be a creative genius on day one because we see it as our role to help you find that voice, build that audience, and then as Ezra said, commercialize it over time. But um, it takes a lot of work. You gotta stay at it. Um, we used to say uh, with YouTube, you have to make a YouTube baby, which means you know it takes, I guess, nine months to, to have a kid. And, um, and so you gotta like give it nine months to even know if it's going to get traction, if people are gonna respond to that. And, um, and, you know, it's, it's no longer the world of mass media. It's the world of niche media. Um, it just so happens that some of these niches become very strong and very powerful over time. Uh, the world of gaming and, and uh, sort of fanboy culture being one of the bigger examples. Um, but uh, it's cool. You know, when, you know, you talk a lot about counter-programming to television. You should talk about that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, so I think what's really interesting is, like, TV does a great job of creating lean-back storytelling. And I think that... All these online mediums are built, they're counter-programmed to television. They fill a different nerve. They, they touch a different nerve in terms of, you know, they're much more, um, you're closer to the content, it's short, it, it, uh, it's filling uh, content areas that, are, that can't be successful in linear television. So gaming being one of them where you have lots of different games and lots of different, um, you know, styles of, of guys who are casting games and commenting on games and, you know, playing games. And so that really only works in an on-demand world. Uh, beauty and lifestyle, very successful on YouTube as a category. 
it doesn't really work as a linear channel, but it works really well in short form on YouTube. So I think that the, these successful areas are oftentimes are just they're counter programming to what works in other mediums. Um, so to keep that analogy going, you guys are the equivalent of back in the day of the studio programming lead who would green light a show. Um, and then it seemed to me that it had to come to you more fully formed. It's actually the exact opposite, right? Because uh, that's a world of top-down programming, and we're all, it's all, the world now is all bottoms up. It's all about people who are just doing it. We're not giving anyone permission to go make a show. Um, we're giving people the opportunity to, and, the, and supporting them in whatever their endeavors are to be as, as successful as possible. But this is a very special time because anyone can do it. You don't have to wait for some executive to say, you're greenlit, go for it. But when you see these, what would you say the other characteristics are besides consistency what? where you are confident that yeah. it's probably going to really build a big audience? Well, I think there's two things. One, uh, it's, there's literally millions of channels today. So you actually have to be talented. You actually have to have something to say. You have to have a strong voice. And you have to be able to make great content that connects with your community and that builds your community. And those are constantly a virtuous circle of those two things that are constantly re reinforcing each other. Just making great content and launching it is not going to make you successful. But making great content that connects with the community and then surrounding that piece, that whatever that core content is with uh, all the other ways that you connect with that community, that's what builds that, uh, you know, a true relationship between a content brand and an audience. And I think also, you know, to, to speak to that is, you know, from a creator's perspective, you have to have authenticity uh, about what you're doing. I think, you know, people are very keen to pick up when something doesn't appear genuine. Uh, and so talk the, the more viewers about that. are really smart talk about what that. You've, talk about what you've learned over doing this for 13 years about how the audience responds. And or is there a time when you did something that was deemed inauthentic and, and the, the audience responded? Or, uh, well, you know, I, uh, um, an easy standout for me. This, a lot of our community may not be familiar with the story, but you know, we've gone through, like I mentioned, we have this community website we've been running for a long time now, and we've, got, we've been through several iterations of it. And, God, what was it? Maybe six or seven years ago, we, we had this overhaul. We were going to redo the whole website. We were going to make it flashy and wonderful and great. We spent a ton of money on it. We started testing it with our community, and then we realized that's not us. You know, that, that website is not... It doesn't have our voice. So we took the whole project, backed up to a hard drive, and put it on a shelf. You know, we, we weren't afraid to walk away from it. You know, it was, it was multiple years. It was about a year and a half of work and tons of money invested. And we just knew it wasn't going to work and that people were going to call us out on it. So we, we had to make sure to cancel that. And I it was hard. It was really hard. One other thing that's interesting to me is, like, in the, in the top-down world, particularly in television, it tends to be format first. Right, so a format gets created in a studio or in a, in a production company, and then it gets greenlit and put on the air. And once in a while, personalities emerge from those formats. If the if the format is successful, you know, a sitcom. Think of like How I Met Your Mother. Most people have never even heard of those folks, and then suddenly new stars are born. Right, and in the bottoms up world, it tends to be personality first because of that need and that desire for the authentic connection, and then formats spin off of that. Right, and um, so we're seeing that now. Um, we're doing some work with a, a young woman named Sally LePage. Um, she's an evolutionary biologist, PhD candidate in uh, in Oxford, and um, you know she's a, a brilliant uh, young scientist. But really, what she wants to be is a is a communicator, a media personality to demystify science. And um, so she's been just kind of building her personality online, and then 
Out of that, we recently discovered a format called Fiction Fast Forward, which basically works with the Hollywood studios to break down the science in their movies or the pseudoscience in their movies. And so it's like Sally LePage, first and foremost as a person, connecting with an audience that cares about science is what gets the initial traction. And then the format kind of spins off of that. That's a really interesting contrast of format versus personality. And of course, so here we are at this moment of South By where you've got film, TV, video, all these formats coming together. What are you guys seeing amongst the creators in all these communities and how, what are they learning from each other? I think the big thing that I'm seeing, and I, you've touched on it in your previous discussion, was, um, was live video. And I think everyone's been, you know, it, it's, it was a very slow move towards it, and now it's just an avalanche falling towards it. You know, at Rooster Teeth, we began live video productions uh, probably about three years ago, just kind of, kind of a skunk works, kind of experimental, and now it just seems like it's an ever-growing portion of our business. You know, every, for some reason, this, despite the fact that there's so much content available on demand and on the viewer's time, there's something special and something different about live, and people are willing to still block out time. You know, this, <laughs> no one pays attention to their DVR anymore. They want to know, oh, what time is that live event happening on the internet? Because you know, I'm going to schedule out time for that which it seems just like a full circle return to the way things used to be with broadcast television and no VCRs or DVRs. How many people, how many people uh, are, you guys have a, how many on your live show every single week? So we have a live show that's behind uh, a premium paywall and we'll have several thousand people, you know, watch that. But if we do a public broadcast, I think our last public broadcast was a couple of months ago. We had, I want to say 70,000 people uh, tune in live, you know, block out an hour of their time uh, just to watch that. That's pretty nuts. Um, I think another interesting thing that's happening right now is, um, you know, think of South by over the last, let's say, five years, right? Um, every year or so, there is some new platform that people talk about, they buzz about, and it's really exciting and cool, right? Um, I think what's happening now is, like, there's this proliferation of all these platforms, which is wonderful. Um, but they're all pipes in different forms, right? And what serves those pipes is content and personalities, right? And... Um, and I think in the world of video, um, you know, if you're an advertiser and you want to uh, market to people uh, through video, you used to have just a few options, right? You would call YouTube, you would call Hulu, you would call Yahoo. Um, now, increasingly, people want to connect, as you were saying previously, in more integrated, authentic ways. You know, interruption-based advertising seems to be kind of going the way of the dinosaur, right? So how do you actually do that? You do that through the creator. Right? You do that if you want to reach people um, in, in a true, uh, authentic way in the gaming space, you work with Rooster Teeth. You don't work with the pipes. Right? And so I think it's this cool moment where because of social media, because of the disruption in internet and distribution and everything that's happened in video, um, the platforms have kind of like established themselves. But to actually connect authentically, you do that through the creator today, which is a, an exciting moment for content creation. And, cool. I, and I actually think that um, that under, that fundamental understanding of the power of these creators is going to change all these different mediums, including film, which is, you know, a big part of South by Southwest. I have, there's no question that next year we'll be here and many of the, the huge stars of our platforms that we know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, they're going to be the, the stars of the projects that will be premiering, um, you know, here at South by or Sundance or, you know, direct into theaters. Like it's inevitable because the audience craves it and needs it and wants it. And the fans have the ability to, uh, you know, to drive uh, transaction. And, and I think finally we're going to see the, the financiers step up and say, well, this is a better, more efficient way for us to make 
these types of projects. So interestingly, in both of these cases you guys just mentioned, it is a back to the future. It is the power of live and it is ultimately the power of personality. Uh, you know, people like movie stars more than they do the, dis the distribution system by which the movie got to them. So speaking of South By, we will be back in a year. Um, some of the personalities that you guys are cultivating and supporting will be the big stars. Um, one more prediction from each of you between now and when we're here a year from now uh, in the world of, of video that lies ahead of us, predict something that we may not see right now that you think might in fact play out. Um, oh man, I hate predicting the future. Uh, I think, um, uh, Gus, I think Rooster Teeth will be seen as the uh, legendary pictures or the marvel of uh, the internet era. I like that answer. <laughs> Um, maybe we should admit, it should be all do rooster teeth uh, prognostications. <laughs> <laughs> rooster teeth. Well, um, uh, let me think. Uh, it's hard to predict the future. You know, we is, we, yeah. we talk about this a lot on yeah. our podcast. We try to make these predictions, and I'll go back and listen to them. You know, a year or two down the road, I'm like, man, I was way off. I missed the mark yeah. and everything. I think that you'll see um, a lot more activity from traditional uh, TV networks here next year um, because their core businesses are so screwed and we're on to something. We're all, we're all on to something pretty big and, and I think that Rooster Teeth is, you know, is, is a brand that deserves to be on a linear network if that even matters anymore. But um, I think those guys have to figure it out quickly because I think we're at the inflection point and, um, you know, we're sitting in a really interesting place as digital video companies and they have to figure out how to get into our space quickly. Well said. That's very, 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 uh, a very good note to end this on. I think we will all be uh, clamoring to get on the list to get into the Rooster Teeth party a year from now for the premiere, and the guys at Marvel will have a, an event that nobody comes to. I might have so, an, I, I, well said, I'll, well I'll said. have an inside line for you. Thank you very much, All right, George, Ezra, and Gus. Thank you guys, Thank you. great segment. Well, there you have it, folks. The future is a lot more clear. A special thanks goes out to our partners at Fullscreen who made our event at South by possible. While we were there, our executive producer Chris got to catch up with Maria on the communication team who gave us the skinny on their VidCon experience. Um, VidCon is a you know, very important time in the video industry where people come together, um, both fans, the community of creators, and industry members to both celebrate, um, check in with, and acknowledge the new trends in online video. Um, so at VidCon, you know, it's, it's become quite a phenomenon that the fans will do anything it takes by hook or by crook to access and interact with their favorite creators. Um, so, you know, you're walking down the halls, you see all these characters, and then you hear these screams. And the screams are distant, um, and then they become just so loud that you can hardly hear yourself thinking. So, uh, <laughs> as, as you're walking down the hall, you know, you see a frenzy, the girls start running, and they're telling each other, you know, one of the big things that I find most hilarious is you'll hear someone say, who is it? And then the other one says, I don't know, but then they run anyway. And so that's when it just becomes this really cacophonous <laughs> firestorm of just screaming. And one of my favorite things was as you, as you hear those screams, once you realize who it is, I'm always so proud 
to know that many times, most of the time, it's a full screen creator. Full screen. Give them a call when you want to be popular. Big love to our production team here at Digitas Studios. Jordan, Adam, Avi, Colin, Barbara, Chris, Hammer, Partridge in a Pear Tree. See you next time.